Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotler. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry about the uh, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotler. Hot, 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 hot. Oh, cheers, Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to episode 198 of Radio Hot Lab. This is your special whoop de doo da introduction from me, Marcus Akanovic, live from the hotel room in Charlotte, North Carolina, whilst vacation, jet-setting, testing motor vehicles. You're going to be looking at the weird and wonderful world of gadgets, gizmos, and culinary expertise from John and Jay Pooney. So enjoy, listeners and viewers alike. <laughs> Marcus, that's very good. Actually, it's um, it is actually Tuesday, um, just after after twelve thirty here in Adelaide at the world headquarters, and uh, JP won't be around due to his tardy response. I, I thought that was that was very good of you saying that you're you know you're on holidays. You're always on holidays. You're a permanent holidayer. But uh, <laughs> now you sound like my father. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's even more more permanent on holidays. Yes, he is. Well, mate, the, the last time I saw you, and in fact, uh, the last time I saw any of the, the people in uh, in motorsport land was was at Bathurst on the on the Sunday, and uh, a few days later, you jetted off to the US for a a test and and a, and a race in the lower echelons, I suppose, of NASCAR, along with George Medici, courtesy of Marcus Ambrose Racing, mate. Tell us how it's all gone, because from the sound of your voice, you, you sound like you're really having a great time. Oh, look, it's, uh, you know, I love America anyway. I think it's a fantastic place. It's, it's, it's good for holidaying. You know, you can get in all sorts of mischief being an Australian over here. But when, uh, when I was approached by Marcus Ambrose and, and all the crew at Marcus Ambrose Motorsport to, you know, come over and sample some of America's favourite pastime, I mean, I really couldn't, you know, walk with the opportunity. So straight up to Bathurst, I think on the Sunday there, two days later, I was on a plane jet setting over here to Charlotte, North Carolina, to the motherland of NASCAR. And, and uh, I've been very lucky so far. I've um, been to the Bank of America 500 at Charlotte Motor Speedway, where I got to see all the ins and outs of how it all works, and which, by the way, is just freaking amazing like it is huge for as a spectacle for the fan for for an australian it's just unbelievable but uh so i was very lucky to spend the time with marcus there and uh you know check it all out see how it all works and after that we then made the trek up to newport tennessee where i was lucky enough to race a uara stars late model for fathead racing alongside you know, Australia's own George Medici as well. So it's been an amazing experience. We did, got two days of testing in on the Thursday and Friday and, uh, you know, just got a chance to get the feel of the whole concept of, of, you know, speedway racing. I mean, look, growing up on road courses, I've never really done anything on an oval. So um, it was very different, very challenging, and basically taught me a lot. So... 
Anyway, with the two days of practicing under my belt, got comfortable in the car and all the seat was all okay and, uh, you know, got motoring, we uh, ended up qualifying 16th out of 23 cars. But funnily enough, only two tenths off the pole. That's how close it is on a 13-second racetrack. So basically, if you sneeze, you're going to miss the lap. <laughs> so like and, the, uh, that makes the track density uh, of, of a circuit like that, it makes... It doesn't it make something like uh, Simmons Plains like uh, Le Mans? Oh, if you if you put Newport Speedway next to Simmons Plains, yes, it makes Simmons Plains look like Le Mans. It uh, and funnily enough, I've been told, and I guess no disrespect to uh, Newport Motor Speedway, but apparently it's the worst looking track and maintain track on the calendar. So I've been told, don't judge late model racing by the look of Newport Speedway. To give you an idea, we've turned left off the main road there and started to drive down the driveway to the circuit, right? And the driveway sort of speeds up a little. I'll get back to obviously the results on how I went just in a minute, but I've got to explain this for the viewers because this is just a unique part of grassroots old school style racing in America. Anyway, driving up the driveway in Newport, Tennessee uh, to the racetrack, it sort of climbs up a hill and basically you kind of drive into a bowl and that's where the track is. But I turned to Dad who was with me in the car and I said, geez, these fans are ready to go. They're, it's Thursday morning, 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And there's cars scattered everywhere. I said to Dad, I said, these are either some really, really keen fans or we're in the wrong place. Well, as it turns out, the track is located in the middle of a wrecking yard. So we've driven up and here's all these wrecked cars just laying around in the parking lot and everything like that. It, it was the weirdest thing. The people that own the track own the wrecking yard. And the, the track was run down. It was... Oh, it was really nasty to look at. I've got some photos which I will uh, eventually get up on my Facebook once I get back to uh, Australia. But wow, what an experience. Dad and I just looked at each other and thought, this is unbelievable. They actually race cars around this place. So anyway, that is what this sport of late models is made up of. Just old school, you know, tracks with a lot of history, um, it's just, it is an amazing spectacle. I was kind of scared, but just for the simple fact of how the track looked, it was run down. It looked like it was 100 years old, this place. So obviously there's a lot of history in the air around the place, but wow. But uh, anyway, back to the racing results. After a sturdy qualifying session of um, 16th, only two tenths off the pole, and only a tenth off fellow Australian George Medeki. Uh Team was very happy with that considering it's such a unique style of qualifying. I've never done it before. Basically, you go out the gate and you get two flying laps. And whatever time you can concoct in those two laps is where you qualify. So with that in mind, starting P16 and Georgia in P12, uh, we got the green flag. And obviously, my main goal was to learn the craft of racing in an oval in tight packs in a really big density on the circuit. Um, yeah, it was very different, um, just, you know, inches away from cars on a high bank circuit, 
at, at, at a reasonable speed. Uh, we kept the car clean, didn't damage it at all, didn't get a mark on it, missed a lot of wrecks because on a four tenths miles, four tenths of a mile circuit, which is what Newport is, basically, you know, the last car was getting lapped within 15 to 20 laps because it's just so small. Um, to keep the car clean and unscathed and miss all the wrecks and carnage that happened in front of me was pretty good effort by myself and obviously and and the spotter, you know, I owe it to uh, the spotter and crew chief at the same, uh, Dexter Knipe, he'd done an amazing job considering I'd never had anyone in my ear like that before where they're constantly talking to you because the track's so small, everything's, you know, outside, outside, car on the inside, inside, you've got a car on your bumper, two back, three back, four back, all that sort of thing, you know, so that was, that was another different aspect of it too, but, you know, in the end we finished 13th, unscathed and uh you know very happy with the result and i guess the team were you know a little surprised that we didn't get any damage and things were clean and you know we got a good read on the car once once i got lapped i think by the leaders i thought it was time to you know try and gauge off them and follow them and learn what i could and we ended up catching the leaders back up again so that told me that we actually had a pretty fast race car towards the end of the race so it was a great experience. Like I said, I learned an absolute shitload. <laughs> well, Marcus, like if you've been listening to spotters, that would mean that uh, perhaps in the off-season you might be ready for a little bit of tarmac rallying if you, you have, a, have a head for listening. Yeah, I, I mean, look, obviously we've spoke about that before, JH. We've uh, you know mentioned to the viewers that that's been one little side goal that I wouldn't have mind achieving along the way of my motorsport career and that's you know a couple of tarmac rallies and I guess like you said it is very different to uh, have someone in your ear constantly um, but I think after this this weekend's efforts of you know having a spotter in the ear right basically running my race for me being my eyes and ears for the for the duration I should be able to adapt quite Quickly, I think to tarmac rally. Well, I mean, I think it's the fact is you, you you appear to have said today that you you've adapted very quickly to that. It became it came natural to you. It it wasn't like you know you didn't like someone on the radio talking to you. Uh, much like as Dick Johnson could could cruise down like Conrod Strait and give a very good commentary, where the others would be going keep silent. So that augurs well for um for um an adventure into that into that land yeah yeah and no, i look at it's definitely a possibility and now it just gives you a little bit more confidence that i actually would be able to handle someone in my ear you know for a duration of a, of a stick behind the wheel so who knows we'll see where it takes us absolutely hamburger stop i'd be saying um it, it is actually pretty funny isn't it really like the last time i saw you there we were hanging around with with, with george and 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 uh, and he's Brother, big nose Harry, and um, yes, friend nose Harry. That was rather huge. That rather, nose. rather unfortunate. Oh, and uh, and then I fly back with his father to Port Macquarie in the little plane, which was a rather, I must say, a rather scary scenario, only because he fell asleep, and I'm in the back, and he was just a bit tired, and the oxygen light was on. But anyway, um, and then you're over there with George. I mean, it's a very unusual little triangle. It is, isn't it? It is, and uh, yeah, look, caught up with George at the racetrack, and off the track, funnily enough, uh, all the guys from Fathead Racing and George and myself, we all piled in the uh, 
the cars and headed off to the local fair and and uh, decided to get ourselves kicked off some higher go-karts after we trashed them. <laughs> yeah, funny, that. <laughs> um, if you, as long as you get enough motor racing, we've got to go look for higher go-karts to ruin and... and um, as you do. Right. Um, in, in, anything interesting to report on the food front? Oh, the food front, I've had some absolute amazing meals, but I've also had some absolute shocking feeds. Come on, tell us the highs and lows. Okay. Um, The first thing that springs to mind is a high. It was a restaurant called the Rusty Barn in Newport, Tennessee. It was on the Thursday night. We'd finished the track, went to the hotel, checked in, cleaned up and we all went for dinner as a team and went to this place called the Rusty Barn and I got a the dish called the two two out of three favourites. It was called it was something it was a, there was a list of favourite dishes and you could pick two and then get one side with it. So I've chosen a nice little array of pork spare ribs with a side with it with another one of the favourite of pulled pork. Now I'd never had this before, but apparently pulled pork is yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like really stringy and uh, fibrous. Yes, it was amazing. Just it's like a shredded beef, like yeah, a Mexican shredded really beef, but yeah, shredded pork effectively. And oh, I know that was probably one of the best meals I've had so far. Oh, that means I am going to have to make it. It's a can of big towers. Oh, no more pork knuckle. We want the pulled pork. <laughs> The pork pork knuckle. So, that's been one. Uh, that's been a great meal. What are the meals have I had that have been quite good? <laughs> What's oh, been your worst? <laughs> Sorry? There's always a bad story. Well, a bad one will have to be this really nasty chain of places called Waffle House. Oh, and... yeah, that's bad. And And... Don't go for Mrs. Winner's Chicken Biscuit either, because they're pretty oh. common down there. Oh, there ain't no chicken, boy. Yeah. So we happened to uh, experience, yeah, that wasn't a nice meal. I mean, look, the waitress tried, but she was as thick as a door plank. Like they get married out the back by the garbage dump. Yeah, that, that was in a little place by um, Greenville... South Carolina. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a little place called Traveler's Rest of all places. Yeah, a Waffle yeah, right. House. <laughs> sure. uh, we met a, we met actually George's crew chief there for breakfast. And yeah. I can see the sign, the little yellow and black Scrabble icons up in the air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, viewers, if you're planning a trip to the US, scratch Waffle House off your list of eateries. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you definitely give that one a skip. Um, but yeah, definitely that pulled pork was an amazing dish. Um, um, so that was, I was very so, happy with that. So I just wanted to like touch on um, a couple of other things that have sort of gone on in the in the more um, the global world, and you know you've been away, and certainly um, you know when we were at Bathurst, there was um, the passing of Steve Jobs, um, uh, and I know you now are very much of an Apple. Apple aficionado, and being in America, that would probably be, you know, there'd be quite a, a, a quite a bit of, you know, publicity and so on like that going on. 
Um, also, you know, the very, very sad death of, of Dan Weldon at Las Vegas on the super speedway there. Um, and then, you know, even more, more, more just as tragically, the, the death of uh, Marco Simoncelli at Sepang um, just uh, Sunday uh, afternoon um, in the MotoGP race, only a one week after he... Um, after he got a second place podium at Phillip Island, uh, do, do the you know do, do these things play on a driver's mind? You know, everyone bands together. I know that, and, and I can certainly say from my perspective, I, I just can't think of a of a more uh, well. I, I, I've really been sixes and sevens for a couple of weeks. So um, you're over there, and I know it's a little speedway, but speedways are speedways. Does it does it affect you in any way? I mean, look, it, it does. For me as a person, I mean, I can't account for every driver, but for me as a person, I guess I tr- I got to try not to think about it because, look, I love the sport as much as, you know, Dan did and as much as, you know, Marco did. You know, you just can't think about those sorts of things. I mean, you have all the respect in the world and all the grief, but, you know, when you get to the track... With all of us as drivers and riders and, you know, anything to do with motorsports or autosports, we all participate in it knowing it's dangerous, but we do it because we love it. So I look at this way, I mean, I try not to think about it when I'm at the track. I just try and focus on what I've got to do for the job at hand. But I think to myself, you know, it is very sad tragedy, but they both died doing what they loved more than anything in the world. So... um I look at it that way that, you know, in, in a small, weird way, it's kind of like doing what they, you know, died doing what they love best. It's, it's almost like a, a little celebration style thing, you know, like it's kind of very hard to describe. I'm just trying to find the words, but, you know, I just, you just, as a driver, you just can't think about it. For when, a start. When, you're, when, you're, when you're absolutely going flat down, like, in in a wet weather conditions at at, at Bathurst, do you, do you ever get scared? Um, not really. I mean, uh, the, the adrenaline for me is is what's the drug. That's what attracts me. The feeling that I get from the adrenaline of that, you know, being on the edge and 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 the speed. Over, just overtakes everything. Overtakes, you know, whatever stress you've got in the world or in life or whatever. It just, just keeps me coming back for more. That's why I love racing so much. I love, you know, getting the gear shifts perfect every time, you know, and listening to the crack of the shift cut in the V8 and, you know, doing those speeds and doing those things. That's what, you know, it overrides everything. To me, it overrides the fear. It overrides the thought. You just, you just go with it. I think you're, you're pretty much spot on there because um, from my uh, dirt bike and quad racing days, I mean, we would have some amazing um, uh, events in, in mountains and things like that and we'd be cruising down fire trails at speeds that were just, uh, just you, you, it was unbelievable when you look back on it and you thought, well, crikey, there was like solid trees everywhere. Like, you, you know, you could hit so easily or, or run off and run wide and down a down a gully and, and, and really, really hurt yourself. But um, it all seemed to happen in slow motion. And I, I, I think that when you spend a lot of time driving fast cars, 
it actually tends to slow down a little bit. Um, and and it, it depends on everyone is different with their peripheral vision. I know that I, I personally have got very, very wide peripheral vision um, and, and seem to be very good at that, that at the off-road enduro stuff because I could detect that we were going onto a downhill because of the foliage on the left and right of my peripheral vision would be starting to disappear, which would, you know, I don't know, it's, it's just really weird stuff. Um, a lot of people seem to say that, but um, it's definitely, I think, it's definitely fa easier to go faster than slower, is it not? Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, once, once you've been doing it for a while, like I said, all your, yeah, exactly, all your peripherals extend and your reflexes speed up just to adapt and, you know, it, that's a big part of it, you know. For me, you know, a classic example, okay, I, I hurdle down a straightaway every second or third weekend doing, you know, 200 plus cons an hour. That's just to give you an example. Well, when I've gone to, uh, you know, the, the theme park, Dreamworld on the Gold Coast, it's got that ride, Tower of Terror. Now, when that cart shoots out of the tunnel and then climbs up to the, the, the tip of the tower and then rolls back down again, it goes at a speed of 160 kilometers an hour. Now, for me, because every second or third weekend I'm hurtling at 250 kilometers an hour, 260, sometimes even 280, depending on what track you go to, even 300 at Bathurst, that ride at Tower of Terror, I can sit there next to my friends and I can focus in on people, you know, walking underneath the, the track or, you know, what can of drink they're holding or what's written on their T-shirt because of my speed perception and, and peripheral and things like that just from the car racing. But uh, do you, like, but is that also, you know, because you're just familiar with the speed there, I mean, that, that's what you're saying. Yeah. But, but in, when you go to something like that, I would have thought that you would have been a little bit more, less um, uh, less comfortable with it because it would have been almost feeling a little bit more amateurish and you're going, oh, I don't think they necessarily take the same level of safety precautions. Oh, you're talking about you know, uh, the late model deal? Just no, 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 no. I'm talking about, like, you know, extreme theme parks. Um, I mean, like, look at... I don't know if you've been to, like, Six Flags, um, which I think is a, a now a quite... A, it started north of uh, L.A., and they have the most radical roller coasters in the world. I mean, to me, I, I don't know. You just... I don't know why you... You, you look at them, you go, people get on and they're going to get off and you go, but why does my head tell me I can't do that? I mean, it's a bit like, is it a bit like bungee jumping? Like I, I, jumping out of a plane? I mean, some things we just, maybe we just don't like doing because we have, it's, you know, the, the safety factor's all there. It's like when you get a footballer and you put him in the passenger seat of a, of a, of, a, of a VR supercar and you take him around, the guy's freaked out completely, but then, you know, if he asked you to, could you come and, you know, play the footy match with us, you'd probably be in the same boat. Yeah, I don't know, just the, the, you know, the mindset and the body is just different, I guess, everyone's different and... Not sure, it's a bit of a tough one there, Johnny. Yeah, righto, all right. Well, mate, what's, uh, what's the plan next week before you, um, before you cruise back to uh, Commodore Cup at... Uh, Phillip Island. Yeah, well, I've got I've got one more one more motorsport day over here in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm actually uh, headed to a track called Motor Mile Speedway 
in Radford, Virginia, which is just over the border in, into Virginia there from North Carolina. Um, I'm headed there with a team called Venturini Motorsports, and I'm having a test in one of their Toyota Camry ARCA cars. Now, I guess to the untrained eye on NASCAR, ARCA is effectively the cars that Spring Cup used to race before they introduced the COT, which is the car of tomorrow, yeah. which I think they were introduced about two years ago, two or three years ago, if I'm correct. Um, anyway, so these are the cars prior. So they run same sort of engines, same sort of drive line, but they're just a um, different body shape. I don't know if you remember from a couple of years back, they really had those slant nose, really aero-effective um, yep. cars. Well, they're now being um, placed back in the ARCA series. So, yep, yep. So yeah, so having a run in an ARCA car, and apparently they are, they run about 850 horsepower, um, quite good aero, quite heavy, but so probably a little bit more along the lines of that supercar, which the late model I just raced in Tennessee was nothing like a supercar. Well, speaking of car of the future, I actually understand today um, they are testing both the Holden and Ford supercar, uh, COTF cars, um, perhaps up in Queensland. Oh really? I haven't Sorry. I haven't heard any information, but you know you're 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 one of your good good friends from um, from uh, the Fujitsu Championship, who wears glasses and probably be up there. And, oh okay. And uh, <laughs> and we'll um, we'll <laughs> wait and see what they have to say, I suppose. Yeah right. Yes. Can you right. when your dad's a well known. Motorsport icon, isn't it? Well, you know, like I, I, I don't know if he'll have a. Do you think it, will it be a, a, a like a an H pattern with a big knob on it, or will it, or will it be a um, will it be a, a, a lever pull? Who's all about the gearbox and the car of the future? That's it. Yes, I mean it's it's a sequential with a transaxle. Oh, I just thought it might have been adjusted for the specific driver, you know, whether oh, what. Yeah. No, yeah. you know, some people need. <laughs> He's not that special a specific driver. <laughs> some people need knobs. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, slow on that one, son. Straight out of the top. They got more peripherals out the window on that one. All right, mate. Well, look, good, good to catch up with you, and um, um, mate, I'll uh, I'll write a little story for you. See what I can do. Yeah, give me a bit of love, mate. That'd be nice. Absolutely. Pop it up on the website and allow my new, you know, my viewers and listeners and readers to participate in my adventures across America. Adventures? On a NASCAR tour. Across America. Now, there is something I need you to bring back for me. I can't think of what it is, but I will let you know prior. It'll be something foody. Um, Frank's. Buffalo wings hot sauce. No, but you get that for yourself. You know you love that, but we've got that here. <laughs> all right, mate. Thanks for uh, saying g'day, and um, all the best in the next uh, few days, and have a safe trip home. Yeah, thanks, JH, and uh, I look forward to getting back to Australia to enjoy a nice piece of toasted Vegemite. <laughs> you should have taken one with you. It's the simple things in life. It really is.
Well, that was uh, nice of Marcus Sakanovic, JP, to uh, sort of do an early intro of episode 198 of Radio of Hot Lap, but maybe we should do an official one, because now that you're here a couple of days later, and uh, oh. he's on the way back, in, it'll be him, on the way back in the plane. <laughs> he is. He's definitely on his way back, so uh, an official intro. Ah, oh, look, leave it to me, JP, I'll do it as usual, it's that. Radio Hotland, episode 198, that light-hearted podcast that takes a zany look at motor racing, cool emerging technologies, gadgets and barbecues, and sometimes Asian and wonk food. He's <laughs> <laughs> mixing it up to And too. funny the laughs. Zaniness. <laughs> zaniness is mixed for the up. Viewers, for the viewers that may have previously been viewing, they'll know that laugh from somewhere. They will. We won't actually necessarily bring them onto the show, but they've been around. They have. <laughs> Mate, what are you having to drink tonight? Well, I'm on the uh, Super Leggera Peroni, as usual. <laughs> the Lamborghini got drive. drink. Yeah, the Lamborghini drink. So, nice beer. Not too heavy. With us tonight uh, is uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Howdy doody. Thank you for that lovely oil. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh the manager, who's now a managing MD. director, but for this show, just the manager, <laughs> Gina, and uh, and Enzo, welcome. Hello. So, um, what have little, you got there? A little sneaky Pinot Noir from the Freycinet Coast, where Wineglass Bay is in Tasmania. A nice, cool climate wine. What do you What do you think of it, Enzo? Very nice, lovely. In fact, mate, how much is it? Twenty dollars. Twenty-one dollars. Bargain. There you go. They had a more complex one, which was almost twice the price, and I said, I actually don't like it as much. It was just, it was too... Uh, complex. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a... For, for lack of another simple word. Marcus. No. <laughs> it's Bruce Vegas, actually. Bruce Vegas. Bruce Bruce Vegas. received the, the photos of... Um, of the four little blackbirds, oh viewers, JP, you're you're a you're a family man. Family tell them, man. Tell the viewers what we've got in the backyard well, and how the dog's been so good. Viewers in the um, in the rosemary bush at the uh, at the back of uh, Ram Race Hall, House. World Headquarters. There's a uh, little bird's nest, and last week when we came and did the show, Hardy showed me the uh, the nest there, and there were four little eggs in it, and today there are four little baby birds in it. And they're all uh, waiting to be fed by the looks. Mum's out. So could be the hero shot for the show. Could be the hero shot. Yeah, mum's out, getting a little bit of um, a little bit of bit of munchie for them. Teppanyaki. Yeah. Rust. Teppanyaki <laughs> worms. Rust's a standing guard. And yesterday morning there was a big white puss out the back here, and she absolutely gave it what for, and it shot off down there. So there's the prowling puss and the guarding sausage. <laughs> <laughs> what are you having to? What are you having to drink tonight, mate? I, I've got the. Um, what did I try? I tried the, uh, the Zimmer Estate, Kunawara, Cab Sab, 2008. What Very nice. Very nice. nice. The um, I don't know the price point now. I just saw it on the table there. Yeah, I grabbed just, that. It was 18.99. So yeah, uh, just Zimmer's always good. Good standby. Good. Zimmer, not Zimmer. Oh, I always say Zimmer, oh, but Zima. I don't know. But. Uh, 
Well, I hate to say that uh, things going awry. I didn't thought twice, but not three times that unfortunately we have well, yet another death um, in uh, another tragedy in motorsport, the death of Marco Simoncelli at the Sepang MotoGP in the second lap last weekend. I mean, this is it's pretty hard for all of us to take, you know, after uh, n not only the death of Dan Weldon at, uh, at, at Indy, uh, a race that he wasn't meant to be doing, and, and also... Um, didn't need to win and had said that he wasn't going to win it uh, and had already signed a, um, well, uh, we weren't, didn't know that at the time, signed a 2012 contract with Andretti Racing. Mm. So that's a very, very sad scenario, obviously. Um, and then, whilst not motorsport, someone who's very close to our hearts, JP, Steve Jobs, yep. passed away. Um, and so we've had, we've had three weeks of it. And, yeah. um, the old three in a row scenario. Well, I don't know about so many before. I've seen three in a row, but anyway, that's, that's terribly... Yeah. Terribly tragic, and it was a, a very unusual style of accident, where um, uh, he, uh, the Marco lost the front end of the of, of the Grassini Honda, and um, it, it pushed out. But then it gripped and yeah. came back across the track, and uh, Colin Edwards and uh, um, uh, Valentino Rossi had no Rossi, absolutely yeah. nowhere to go. Certainly none of their faults, and, and, no. and ran into the, the guy. His helmet was helmet was taken off, and he, he passed away, uh, succumbed to you know, massive trauma to the head and, yep. and neck, and um, and chess, mm, and that's just, just 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 awful stuff. And um, I mean, I you know I don't follow MotoGP uh, that closely, JP. But no, I, I, don't I, mean, either, I I always wondered how a guy with that much hair could actually you know get it under a helmet and yeah. go around that fast. So well, do you, you watch any of it? Um, I do. I do. Uh, so always a fan of Rossi and Simoncelli, <clears throat> and like you say, an absolute tragedy. Really sad to see a young man like that. Certainly was. But let's move on to um, more interesting things. This weekend is the uh, India's inaugural it is. Uh, Formula One Grand Prix, and uh, it's another Herman Tilke. Tilke? Tilke design track, the same guy who is responsible for um, the uh, new Texas track in Austin. Yep. Um, which also seems to, uh, as being described by uh, one of the um, Narayan Karthikeyan, uh, that it was. Uh, a track that had many of the good bits of circuits around the world, like um, you know 130R at Suzuka and uh, yep. Eau Rouge at, at Spa and things like that, that, putting it all together. So it should be a very, very interesting weekend. And now with an Indian team directly involved in the sport, I can only imagine that it uh, it'll it, there'll be there'll be some hijinks going on there. I mean uh, that that nation will be very, very keen to sell a message out to the world, and I think that uh, the F1 platform will be you know, something to really do it. Oh, they've definitely uh, they've got their act together, there's no doubt about that. I, I understand that Eccleston was getting a bit toey uh, a couple of weeks back, but uh, it's all ready to go now, and uh, I've given up opening supermarkets in the southeast now, because as you probably, if you read the uh, the articles that are being written about India, you'll notice that um, the Sports City project, which it's part of, is um, being undertaken by the industrial conglomerate, the JP Group. Is that right? Yeah. So, uh, so how much do you make out of it? Or did the wife catch it last? No, no, it's uh, it's just all shelling out at the moment. Probably won't get a return for turf years. At the hotel down in Gambia, the circuit owners, the JP Group, are very new at this sort of thing. New to motorsport. There you go. But nevertheless, That's certainly be exactly what you're all but, about. But uh, Bernie's very happy apparently. So uh, it's five point one three seven kilometres, um, and. Uh, it's a bit of a shame because uh, Chandhook's uh, not getting to race, unfortunately, in his home Grand Prix. 
but uh, nor is uh, uh, Liuzzi. No, and nor should he be after his performance on well, the Gold Coast last weekend because he's more worried about the colour of his shoes than he was about to do a good job in the V8 supercar. But not for me to discuss that. But anyway. Yeah, well, they, uh, Tony Fernandez reckons that um, Chandhook's lack of running this season is the primary reason that he's not going to be behind the wheel on Sunday, but obviously he's a little bit upset about it, but there you go. Not that it be any politics in Formula But right. he accepts the team's decision, of course, and, um, you know, so we're going to see uh, Yano and uh, Heike Kovalon uh, doing, the, doing the business. Yano truly makes a good wine, you know. What do you make? A wine. And he's from the... Um, it's from... Uh, he's from the... Um, uh, the um, uh, Montepulciano, but the oh, D'Ambruso, yeah. where the earthquake region was. Yes, Not yes, to be yes, confused yes. with Montepulciano up near Montalcino in we Tuscany. Have, didn't we have some of the oh, yeah, yeah, some right. of that wine there, Montepulciano? Yeah, we mm. did. One of the episodes ago, there yep. you had it on the table there. On the table, you got mm -hmm. it from your mate round the corner here. <laughs> but but let me tell you, not like I'm plugging it, but. Has it rated up against the Piombo? Oh, wait, you know. I mean, the Piombo, so you can't get your hands on it. No. No one's ever heard of it. No. <laughs> but if you want viewers, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, if you yeah. email Hardy, then you know, we'll tell you where to get it from. Managers. Okay. Edition. <laughs> <laughs> we might be giving one away for the episode 200. That's only two episodes away. I know. We'll get, we we'll have to have a banquet. Just one. A bit close. For the what, what, what 200 will it be 200 A, B? Oh, the, uh, <laughs> is this the 200 episode 200. saving for? Well, how many you said you got two, like 250 bottles? No, no, and it's going to be no, in a couple can't. of weeks' time. Oh, you're not saving for Clipsil. Oh, I thought you were edition. saving for Clipsil. Yeah, what? You'll be just nodding number like 217. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you down. Might even knock me that high. Corner. Probably be about 209 I'll own for the Christmas break and everything. Oh, I'll have pissed you off, but then I won't get the invite. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, banned from the box. Well, I mean, whoever whoever can email can email you and, and have the weirdest story there to um, to ask for for a couple. There, we'll we'll send them off. Well, that's it. We'll send them off. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. What? Just, just what have we seen them all? A couple of empty bowls. <laughs> what? Caps, I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Caps. Caps or labels, maybe. But the, you can no, sort of like revel in the presence of the empty bottle about knowing that it had a great moment. It had, yeah. Mm. Right, it had I had a couple of that. I like that. What, you're going to sell that? What about to India? <laughs> <laughs> There's another reason that Bernie's actually in a good mood, um, apart from the fact that his daughter, uh, Tamara. Yes. Here they like gone tomorrow. <laughs> That's right. It's spending it. money out there. But she says she wants to, you know, do it on her own. Yeah. You know, oh, with a hundred and seventeen room mansion. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, coke coming out of her nose. You know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> drank too much at once. Wine coming out. <laughs> when of it went out, they were coming up the back way. Yeah. Um, it's because you know, the Russian government, whichever that government might be. <laughs> um, have decided that they're going to be putting in uh, $200 million to make a track. What's that in rubies? <laughs> Plenty. Last minute tomorrow, and it might be, might be more. I don't know, the There's stability. new tracks coming up all over the place. That's right. And, um, and speaking of new tracks, New, jo new Joycey. New Jersey. New yeah, Joycey. I know. Jo exactly. Joycey from that? Joycey. Yeah, she's speaking Amazing. like that. Um, 2013. There'll be, so there'll be two US Grand Prix over there that no one will go to. <laughs> you know, and um, it's a 3.2-mile-long uh, street circuit. It'll be overpriced. And, and on top of that, That's Mumbai. Mumbai calling. 
<laughs> Is that right? They're, they're up for it too. Oh, like, it's just a mess. How are they going to move all those telegraph poles out with the five million <laughs> things hanging up? Everybody's seen that email, haven't they? <laughs> hope it's not a street circuit. <laughs> we won't have any communication. I like the New Jersey governor, Chris Christie. Yeah, oh, it's Chris Christie here. Well, what's the problem? You know, we've had issues with that like before. You know, what, what about Senator George George's? That's right. And Boutros Boutros Garley. They've got, He's no, got trouble. No imagination, he? have they? <laughs> I mean, what, what were they thinking? What's my surname? Oh, Christie. Oh, let's call him Chris. <laughs> then we can't forget what he called. <laughs> what about willpower? <laughs> I know. He's got Rich Shaw. He's got to sort back. I know. Remedies, Richard Shaw. Not head. Uh, but yes, um, obviously the uh, that the hands of Bernie are wiping, wiping, the money rubbing together. Prospect of more money yeah. to uh, celebrate his eighty-first birthday on Friday, apparently. Over to you, knackers. So, over to me, knackers. That's not very nice, is it? Are you to say that? Well, so they reckon the car of the future is going to get a run at Sydney. Both cars of the future, I should say. Not only the Holden, but the Ford as well, in the hands of uh, two um, yet-to-be-picked drivers, as opposed to uh, Mark Scaife just running around. Well, in the, the uh, two drivers that are actually in the car are, at the moment are Scott McLaughlin and Jack, Jack Perkins. And Jack, and Jack Perkins. I'm trying. A bit of a knob jockey. Yeah, but they, <laughs> but they reckon that... Uh, <laughs> From what I've heard. <laughs> so <laughs> It's just rumoured. <laughs> just rumoured, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but Scafey reckons that it's all it's all gone well. Personally, I wouldn't think he was. It's gone very well. So, they haven't yet confirmed who the drivers are going to be, but they're going to be from leading V8 supercar teams, and the testing will be shared equally between the Holden and the Ford drivers. So, uh, interesting. Apparently, uh, there's two tyre tests scheduled at Phillip Island and Winton in November, and um, that's the last running until tyre break and aero testing starts in uh, 2012. So... They reckon that it's still on target for uh, the 2013 series. So there you go. Beautifully read as usual, thanks, Joker. Not a problem. And you want more V8 supercar news or not? Well, I think we should be talking about the dirty old bollards. The, bo <laughs> the bollards on the weekend. <laughs> Bollocks to the bollards. The safety car bollards. There was a bit of... Not very good design, are they? There was a bit of temper flare there, and if you saw on the Saturday race, mm. unceremoniously punted. I think it was Russell Ingalls just came through and said, they can fuck those things off. <laughs> and they were just like sent over the fence, and that was the end of it. And, yep. and then you could see Damien White steam coming out of his ears. Yeah, he even got the uh, camera close up on, uh, on him on pit lane there. He is actually the perfect guy for the job, isn't he, to be the operations manager for Bear Supercars Motorsport, you know, the track guy, because he's the guy, and we've had plenty of experience with Damien, one-on-one <laughs> um, -on -one with the Ute program. Sorry about those little crunchy little cucumbers. Quite nice, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just as an aside. Damien likes them too. I remember, we went out to dinner once and we had crunchy right. cucumbers. But that was when he was less a Ute driver, <laughs> not just a Ute driver. <laughs> but he was uh, he was one of those guys who would always be. Uh, let's just say that the rules are there to be interpreted as you wish. Correct. That's right. <laughs> like so that now. story we told about the uh, the IndyCar driver who many years ago 
managed to you know go around and, and win the race and he did three less stops than everyone, everyone else. And they said, well, how could you possibly do three less stops? You know, we have a, 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 a minimum, you know, a minimum or rather a maximum fuel tank. Mm. And they, they said, well, take it out. Yeah. Take fuel 55 litres. It just doesn't make any sense. And he said, well, like, no one said what size the, the, the diameter of a fuel hose was to be. And so he ran a few fuel hose like this that went round the car. So there was another <laughs> ten <laughs> gallons in that. And that was only when, after they'd finished scrutineering it, and, and the, fuel the fuel tank, tank was out, out, and he drove it away, did they go, he's still got fuel in that. Still got enough fuel to drive it away. Of course, they closed that little loophole. But, yeah, I mean, that's a classic example of, like, you know, open to interpretation. So we right. Yeah, the bollards. The bollards. Do you think it was a very good event, timing-wise, to to do it? An international event where you've got people coming in from overseas, they're already a bit sort of, everyone's a bit down and out and, like, things to worry about and concerned about what had happened um, oh. in the previous week. I mean, it, certainly it is one of those tracks where there is corner cutting. Well, there is, and, I mean, it's, it's always been the dirty old tyres every other year and, on the, and the rubber gets caught up and, you know... Well, that seems that the dirty old tyres were less past. controversial... Yeah, but I mean, just about every year the dirty old tyres got knocked out of the way anyway and dragged off the track. So, it's but you're really more no likely to, to bollocks, damage a front it? splitter um, and a, or, or, or something True. at the front of the car um, doing that than you are knocking those one of those things over. And I mean, from what I understand, and no doubt the folks will know all about it. I'm sure you will. It, uh, there was a lot of you know, perhaps it wasn't the right venue to trial it. Yeah, true. Well, it wasn't a successful trial, was it? Let's face it. Um, I mean, the other, you know, you could sort of say, well, they're they're in an awkward situation because you can't mould the barriers to suit the shape of the chicanes because there's no runoff and then it's dangerous. So they've got to leave the track as wide open as it is and make those chicanes artificially. But how the hell do you put anything there that if someone makes a stuff up and just runs a little bit wide, you know, it's only got to be a couple of inches, and suddenly they catch either the bollard or the tyres as it used to be, and the whole thing's rooted. I, I, I don't know what the, um, you know, what the answer is. And I don't think anybody anybody in V8 Supercars knows either, really. It was just a great idea. I will put these bollards in, and they look like they're going to be fairly sturdy. You guys um, uh, watch the, the race well, well, weekend? No, no, no I, I didn't see it, but just from what you're saying, there's like, you know, why, why don't they just use orange cones? They're <laughs> still going to bog them down. Orange whip? Well, they can put them back easier, though. Well, yeah, they can. Well, they had the cordless drill there. Yeah, they did. Put the bollards in. Yeah, that was the most. I mean, they just, like, they, they, they just drive past the thing yeah. and fly away. <laughs> they gave a couple of guys there with orange jackets. Well, mate, I think there's a few people then having a few orange cones up there to put the thing in. <laughs> they did an inflatable punch and duty thing, you know, that just. You want to yeah, actually? That's actually, not, that's not about one of those things that goes. Yeah, that's it. Like the oh, blowing man. The <laughs> Only they've actually got something pumping air into the thing. <laughs> it just sits there, and they can knock into it. It doesn't matter. That's right. It stays there perfect. forever. And you know, then some, they, they can sell that as advertising. It'll be Rio Boom. That'd <laughs> <laughs> be crazy, John. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> crazy. Mad JP uh, supermarket chain. <laughs> not allowed out. That's right. But uh, was it a success having all the internationals out here? Um, I, uh, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, Alan came out, and I thought, if you'd only been quicker on the phone, he would have been in with Winterbottom, and perhaps oh, you, you know woulda, coulda, yeah. shoulda uh, been on the podium. Uh, yeah. Which Richard Lyons did his old co-driver at Triple Eight, 
Um, mm. But Alan did actually a very good job, and I think with I don't know. It's very. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to put the mockers on the, on the team there, but you know, there's a lot of very inconsistencies going on with the, the Brad Jones racing outfit because you'll get Bridie going really well in and just be gunning it, and then yep. for two two races or something like that, and it was on fire, and then yeah. nowhere. Yeah. And then Kelly's are the same though. Yeah, yeah. Moffat, and, and then yeah. Moffat in the first race. Yeah, brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Was and I, and I, I got in, yeah. I got in touch with him. Um, just after the race, so mate, great drive, good, great, career, great career move. Mm. Um, <laughs> I must have been reading the text because that's what they were saying the next day. Great career move, great career mm. move. But then, you know, from hero to zero, the next day, the yeah. thing had a, had a, had a, had a, a Joey hand had some issue with it prior to on the warm up or something yep. like that. Yeah. It? I mean, it was all it was a DNF over. before we got going. I mean, how, de- how, how deflating would that be? Because he was very, very close to getting his first podium. Oh, he was. If it had gone another couple of laps, I reckon he would have got there too. But not as entertaining as as last year, I suppose. Although there, mm. you know, the, with the um, there was a the the win, the, um, the Van Gis, uh Win Cup fight towards the end. But yes. then again, it sort of it trans it translated a little bit like that with uh, with Winterbottom, and mm. I'm I'm glad that they got through because they needed to good for a win there. Well, and, Ford um, definitely needed a win. There's no two ways about that, especially after the showing at Bathurst. So, but, you know, look, it's, there's Lounsey. Good for FPV. Uh, sorry, uh, 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 Winkers had an um, electrical gremlin that, that yep. shut him out of the race towards the last, last 30 laps at Bathurst and DNF'd it. Yeah. Same with, same with, with Lounsey. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and he would have been, well, obviously very upset on Saturday, mm. without a doubt, you know. But uh, How upset? Well, he seemed quite bright and chirpy, like he always does, of course, on the tees. But uh, I'm sure he would have been fuming inside because suddenly to be leading the championship and just see that evaporate through no fault of his own would be a bit, you know, soul-destroying, I guess. We previously mentioned that Toyota's coming back to Le Mans racing. Um, this time, tying up with uh, Orica, he's uh, the <laughs> <laughs> We're running the show again, and that's all good. So that'll be coming out of the the Cologne operation, and um, yeah, next yeah. year's looking like it's going to be a it good, uh, a good, um, a good, uh, good Le Mans series. And mm. they're definitely sort of taking the they're taking the taking the points away from the diesel cars, giving it back to the petrol cars. It's very hard to get a, a formula that works there, but nonetheless, it's, it it's certainly not stifling innovation, for, which trickles down to the road. Now, has anybody been watching this new series on uh, Channel 2, on ABC 1, on Sundays at 6.30, The uh, the Long Road? Is it The Long Road? Uh, um, it's about the history of the... It's the car in Australia. Uh, I it's, did see it. It's excellent. It's really, if you haven't seen it, viewers, they had the go Bathurst, to they iView. The, they, not showing Bathurst, they were showing the yeah. touring cars there with yeah, all they the series and stuff they were last showing, week there. Yeah, they were showing yeah. Bathurst, uh, the early days of Bathurst. But they had a really, really interesting interview with uh, um, Jack... Brabham and uh, Ron Turanak, um, mm. which about basically when they built the Repco and uh, overseas, and and Jack rang uh, Ron up and he went over there and span it all together. And uh, interestingly, what they've done with this uh, with this particular series is they've used a lot of historical footage, um, and then they've done some reenactments. And the best bit about the uh, the Jack Brabham thing was they didn't have to do any reenactments because of course Jack was in the film Grand Prix which was filmed in 1966. And uh, they had all the cars running around the banking at Monza. Um, and it was all straight from the movie, but it was, you know, 100% rigid edge. So uh, 
worked out really well, I thought. But the, the overall show, I think, is, is really, really good. It's, it's certainly got some interesting insights. The first episode, um, with the guy whose name has already disappeared from my memory, um, who originally cycled around Australia X number of times and then uh, drove this old banger around and, uh, and basically circumnavigated the continent and, and got everybody interested. It was just, I was just, take your hat off to these guys. Unreal. You done? Yeah. With motorsports? Yeah. That means it's tech time. That was very good. You did that wrong cue, Dunks. Well, Dunks said he didn't want We've to We've never that. had a <laughs> intro to tech time. It's usually but clang, 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 dung, dung, dung. SL55 AMGs. What mm. have they got to do with tech? Oh. Silver ones that look identical and have no number plate on them. Well, a little bit of a... A little bit of a... Um, a mystery has been solved that the late Steve Jobs always drove an SL55 AMG with no number plate on it. Because oh, yes! in California, mm. the rules are such that you do not need to have a number plate on the car if it's six months up in the first six months of its life. You have six months for the dealer to provide the plate. So he made a deal with Mercedes and said, I never ever want to own a car <laughs> over six months. Right. And I want so the exact never had same a number car. Plate. Replaced, and he did, and that's why there was no number plate. However, Walter Isaacson, who has just uh, done the uh, done his uh, autobiography, said, "But Steve, wouldn't that actually make you more? Why did why did you do that?" He said, "Because I didn't want paparazzi like mm. you know find chasing following me and chasing me around." He said, "But wouldn't having no number plate on it actually make you more susceptible to that?" And he goes, "Well, yeah." <laughs> now you mentioned, and then he died. No, was it being jobs? Hmm? Jobs. Steve Jobs. No, no, he's talking about the number play. What would he mean, Jobs? Jobs. AMG Jobs. I need a job! <laughs> like Duncan said, he wasn't going to say much. <laughs> I tell you. Yeah, so the autobiography is out, and I think you can get it in uh, in several ways. Um, not yes, yet. I don't know if it's available here in Australia, but uh, it went on sale on the twenty fourth in the in the US. US yeah. uh, in a print. I know it's five hundred sixty five five sixty five six fifty six pages on an iPad. Yes, I don't know what. Maybe it's an audio book or something like that. I wouldn't think it would have been an audio yet, but. Anyway. Anyway, it's definitely, um, thanks JP, I'll buy you one for Christmas, you buy me one. Alright, that's fair. I think everyone have one. I think it's probably going to be, then, uh, is it a book you'd, you'd be keen to read? Absolutely. It's 45 bucks, I'm apparently. I'm waiting for the movie. Um, <laughs> for the movie. <laughs> which they reckon well, be, which Sony have already bought the rights to. I was going to say, it's going to have to happen mm. after Silicon Valley. And, uh, and, the, and, the, and the director of it is the same guy who's, who's, who did Social Network and War of the Worlds. Right. Um, and uh, the recent uh, film with um, Brad Pitt, uh, Moneyball. Oh, really? Database. What's going on today? Amazing. Nokia World. Nokia World. Well, it's the last stand. Now, well, they got the uh, Windows <coughs> phone out. Yeah, their Windows Mango, Windows 7.5 phone, two phones are being well, announced, not available. Yeah. And interestingly, not being pushed into the US market, predominantly in Europe. Um, this is a, a company which originally started out making gumboots, and now they're making phones, or trying to keep in the business of making phones. Two versions called the, uh, under the Lumia brand, Lumia 
code name or no? Right. Looks actually very nice and actually very similar to their, their, their I think very excellent N9 phone. Mm. Um, the 800 and the 710 um, with an 8 and 5 megapixel camera uh, independently, both with uh, 1.4 gigahertz Snapdragon processors, 800 by 480 Gorilla Glass AMOLED displays. So looking good. Um, I actually think I'd buy one. If I don't know why. No. But I, you know, I look, I. You're going to have to say you're going to buy the Nokia. I might. I'm a bit annoyed with I'm a bit annoyed with this 4S. The, the huge drain. You just don't like Siri. She's upset you too many she times. Has upset me a bit. But yeah. you've been talking to Siri. What have Siri been saying to you? Well, Siri. Uh, well, there's a couple of good websites if you want to uh, see some Siri spoofs and things. How serious? Sent you the link How serious before. are you about that? They're very serious. Um, if you go on YouTube and just Google Siri, um, you'll find a few. Uh, Amusing videos up there. One of the best ones, I think, is Arnie. Actually, I haven't seen that. Uh, a replacement for someone just have to do a bit of work. Um, oh, very good. <laughs> Don't you love that? I love that. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he forgets that I'm watching that before he's even out of bed in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching it in bed. <laughs> now I see the Sony Tablet S came out today. Tablets. Sony Tablet S, which is their competitor to the uh, iPad, six hundred and thirty-nine bucks. Um, all the usuals: ten eighty p capture and playback, uh, eight megapixel camera, gig of RAM, um, sixteen or thirty-two gig models, twelve eighty by eight hundred resolution. Android, it's running on uh, three point two, but of course um, you can uh, bump up to four when it's uh, when it's available. But uh, apparently they, uh, <coughs> excuse me. They've given it a pretty good, uh, pretty good rap so far, but the biggest problem, of course, is apps, all the usual stuff. Um, <clears throat> honeycomb, apparently, it works quite well, but it slows down. It's on honeycomb, is it? So, so like yeah, it's on honeycomb point, at the moment. Uh, three point, three point two, three point two. Yeah, not running so, ice cream sandwich. No, not yet. But it is about that. that is there any coming. devices running ice cream sandwich? Not to my knowledge, at this stage. Oh, okay. So, anyway, so it'll be interesting to see how that. Uh, Works for Sony. Because I think there's also this is a, the huge fragmentation going on there. I, 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 in the Android space, I do genuinely think that this Nokia product is actually going to be good. I, mm. I really do. I think that, I mean, whilst this is cool, well, I mean, there the hasn't been a choice. Has, a I just think that, that, you know, look, we all seem to get a bit tainted by the concept that, you know, it's a Windows based device, but it's not Windows based, it's a Windows Mobile Phone 7 device. Yeah. Which is completely new, and um, and the manufacturers are able to like run a skinning uh, to to make it uh, make it nice, and, and and I think it's going to be, I think that it should be looked at as a completely fresh outlook. I I want to I want to have a touch of one and, and, and play with one. No, I, I think, think the form factor is going to be really good too. Genuine competitor to the four Steve. The four Steve. The four Steve. Yeah. Well, that's Gina about told me that yesterday. Well, that's about it, I reckon. Because it's like, are they coming out with a Nokia pad? Well, I would when they when they have to come out with a Nokia pad. Or, I think or, they're probably concentrating on their or, core business because they've lost so much money over the last. Or they year. just they just frighten it that that, that um, Apple put a ninja on Nokia pad. <laughs> Look, I really think that 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 Samsung uh, Apple thing is completely ridiculous because. Um, well, Samsung have put an injunction on them. But, yeah, but, the, po but the point is that the, 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 the Samsung um, tab, uh, 10.1 or what they call it, it, 
it's a, it's an Android device. Okay, mm. so it might it physically look like the same, but it. But it takes half I mean, an hour to boot up. Man, I tell you, I played around with Android 3X, and it's 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 hard work, isn't it? Okay, it might run Flash. So what? It's mm. it's got it will get there. But it's going to take some time before that uh, the Android marketplace really becomes mature enough to be um, a seamless sort of um, you know eye strategy. And and because they have so many different, because they're licensing the hardware, uh, sorry the software out to different hardware manufacturers, you're getting this fragmentation because some devices run two X and some run three, and then there'll be some with four, and you go well, some have got different display sizes, and it's all screwy. And the only thing that Apple does specifically well is that they're the only people that do hardware and software integration. That's right. So they so control both package. that. So they yeah. go, why would we why would we need to do more multiple form factors? Because mm. this works. Because yeah. yeah. you know, and that's like why have why have two sizes of, of, of iPad, you know, like um, otherwise you start getting into cannibalization, whereas you're going to if you reduce the, the, the iPad down to a six inch iPad, you start and then your the next iPhone will be maybe a little bit more resolution. You go, well, why What's would I want that? The and then, yeah. you know, if it's a 9.7 inch iPad and there's an 11 inch uh, MacBook Air, I'm going, hang on, you're starting to get back in the old days um, of where, uh, back in the, in the 70s when Steve Jobs came in and, and Gilamelio was running the show yep. and they had no product strategy at all. And then was simplified, as you saw by that, that the stuff, the stuff we saw the other night yeah. about, you know, the, yep. the, the two devices, two, two for mobile and two for desktop. Um, you know, yeah. in, in professional and consumer space, you had those four devices, and otherwise you're just gonna you, they're gonna get themselves in, into a, into a into a mess. And I think that it's much much easier to do that. And it's it's a it's it's point noting that uh, noting that, that Apple spent like nine hundred and seventy one million dollars on advertising in the last financial year. Is that all? Um, and so um, what I'd like to um, that, what's that deficit? What I what I'd like what I'd like to, to end the evening uh. on. Uh, on this note is whilst you're about to have some very, very deluxe steaks, you know, there there is such a thing as a free lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and so the art of marketing getting... over lunch is still the best. Oh. Or a golf course. Oh, I, did, now, did you say that Nokia were going to bring in a Nokia pair? I would think that it would be very... It would be, they would definitely have something in their wings, in their in their labs, because they, they, were, all, yeah, sure. they were all... They're dysfunctional. But... Um, it would be unwise for them to be bringing out something right now because they're just going to become the cannon fodder. Mm. Yeah, they, for now. They need to rationalise the phone. I mean, they've got to get the phone right. The next thing you're They've going to see from Apple company. will be television. They need good phone. But they will so yeah, I don't well, know whether that will work. It may work in America. I don't know how that's going to work in other parts of the world because it is going to be relying on carriers and things like that. And an internet-only television solution mm. is there, you know... Um, if you were to have all your content at 1080p available through an iTunes-style scenario on a TV on a fast pipe, um, you know the, the 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 cable carriers they're going to be oh hang on a minute we you know we we're meant to be so, we're meant to be doing content not just providing yeah. you with a connection point. Mm. So um, I can't see the carriers just rolling over and doing it unless of course but Apple does have a hundred billion dollars in cash and they do do deals they as do they deal. did with music. So who knows? And it's not burning a hole in their pocket. So Tim Cook said. Mm. And to finish up with barbecues, yes. Um, Bunnings have now got a new Willow three-tier pizza stone orama arrangement. So if you've got a hooded barbecue at home and you want to cook pizzas in it, and you're just sort of fed up with the idea that you can only really do one at a time, 
this is a great idea. It's like the traditional style pizza stone, only apparently it's made from some bit more upmarket um, material that withstands the extra heat of the barbecue a little bit better. And you can just stick three of them in this rack and uh, whack it in your hooded barbecue, pull the hood down, and uh, and cook your pizzas. Sounds like it's perfect so for Zakanovic Towers. It would be perfect for Zakanovic Towers. It's probably perfect for a lot of people. What about if you so, just fed uh, up? Just rock into Bunnings. I think it's about either... Forty nine ninety five thereabouts, maybe a little bit cheaper, but it's not not huge money. So uh, yeah. that, that, that's absolutely lovely. I'm going to really enjoy that from you at Christmas, yeah. along with the book. No <laughs> way, easy, <laughs> not a problem. Which to get you don't mind. Uh, you don't mind if the uh, if the stones are made of paper, do you? <laughs> nice dent in your bonnet. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Good night, viewers. Good night, viewers. Good night, viewers. Mm-hmm.